Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Penny Lane Podcast with Radio Silent Play. This is truly um, a life-changing episode for me. First of all, Radio was so kind to show me his screen, so we are going to include that video. So this might be an episode that you want to watch on YouTube instead of listening to, but that's your prerogative. And as I alluded to on Twitter this week, he shared two uh, meditating, manifesting videos with me that I've been doing every morning and every night since he shared them, and I've had so much success with that. So if you want links to those videos, check the show notes. Enjoy the episode. The stock market is hotter than ever right now, and traders are taking advantage. But what does that mean for the people who still haven't started trading? The market can be a little intimidating at first, but you don't have to be alone in the learning experience. We at the Pennies Going In Raw podcast are here to help you. I'm Dan, and with my co-host, Hugh Henney, we make the stock market a fun but informative experience for our listeners. We offer knowledge for all levels of traders, from beginners to those who do it full-time. On PGIR, we discuss up-to-date news about the stock market and interview other traders who all started out just like us and made it big. You'll hear from Hugh and other multi-millionaire traders, founders and CEOs of companies, Fintwit superstars, and even professional athletes. Have you ever thought about investing your hard-earned cash but don't know where to start? Do you have money just sitting in your savings account collecting dust? We were all there once, too. Listen to Pennies Going In Raw on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Radio Silent Play. Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I know we've been scheduled to, you know, for a while, so it's really nice to have you. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have you. And honestly, like when I first joined Twitter, when I first started trading, I think you're one of the first people I followed. And I'm just thrilled to have you on. You're such a big name in the FinTwit world. And I cannot wait to hear what you have to share. I really appreciate it. Very, very kind words. I'm humbled. Well, do, would you mind just giving us like a very quick, like how long you've been trading and why you got into trading? So I've been trading for quite some time. I was in the military from 97 to 2001. And during that time, um, we basically, the trading world wasn't the way it was now because now we deal more with social media. But back then, a little bit after 2001, I started really getting involved in trading. There were some chat rooms, but there were primary chat rooms like Skype. There was Skype and there was um, also chat rooms on servers, like their websites. And I started kind of messing around first with um, OTC stocks. But what I ended up doing was after the military, I just went and bought a, a computer and I ended up opening up an E-Trade account. And I just, I guess, I guess you can say that I just started failing on my own. And I say failing because, you know, I lost quite a sum of money. Um, My mom actually gave me some money on the side to, to basically, um, you know, help me out and just trade it for her. And I felt like I would be able to make her some money. So I would just buy things just to buy them because they seemed cheap. and. That didn't work out so well. So there was a lot of trial and error during that beginning. So I'm going to say 
I started around like early 2000 and it wasn't the best experience. I, it was exciting, you know, it was exciting and um, it was a thrill because it was something new. And look, honestly, I didn't even know how to send out an email. So that's how bad I was as far as tech side. Um, but I'm glad I did it because from that time frame, um, I didn't really understand the word risk and how to take on some risk with money. And this is something that I think that people have to kind of learn early to experience it. And I, I'm in the kind of um, field where it's not about being right or wrong. I think everything is an experience. Um, when you do happen to have that type of experience, you learn from that experience. And that's how I progressed as a trader. So I needed to kind of get that out of my system. I needed to kind of learn how to lose and get unemotionally attached to money because growing up, it was a little difficult. And I'll talk a little bit about that later on if you ask me, but there's a lot to kind of um, talk about, especially when, you know, you're given the opportunity to take your money and risk it because we normally don't do that. We're kind of seasoned and trained to work nine to five jobs. So that's how I got into trading. Fantastic. How are you feeling about the market right now? So right now, it's a very, very challenging market, I think. Usually, what you tend to see is seasonality. And I talk to a lot of the, you know, the guys that kind of follow me, and I have my own Discord. And I talk to them about the Halloween effect. And towards the end of the year, what we tend to get is a Santa Claus rally. So the Halloween effect usually happens towards the end of October. The markets tend to get stronger towards the end of the year. So it's not a guaranteed, okay, because what we do is when we trade as traders, we're trading probabilities, not certainties. So it's not a certainty that we're going to have a Halloween effect and a Santa Claus rally, but it's balances of probability. The last time we really skipped a Halloween effect and a Santa Claus rally was back in 2018. But what you're seeing now is you're seeing some cracks, right? And some of the things are out of our control. Now, out of our control, we're seeing what's happening with CV-19 um, and the pandemic. On Thanksgiving, we saw Bitcoin and the markets rally really, really well. We were having our turkey. And then all of a sudden, we saw Bitcoin pull back. For many that don't know, Bitcoin follows the major markets. So it was almost like a signal. If Bitcoin comes down, we're probably going to see the market come down. Um, and then you notice also that the Federal Reserve is now hawkish on interest rates. Whenever the Federal Reserve is hawkish on interest rates, we have a deflationary signal. So now it's bringing on uncertainty. And whenever you have uncertainty, it removes buyers. Um, people tend to kind of stay on the sidelines whenever they start hearing higher interest rates. Overall, you're still seeing a good trend line and a good channel on the S&P, but you're starting to see cracks. Um, so I think that that's what's kind of hurting the market. Whenever that happens, you'll see high speculation. And what I mean by high speculation, you'll see a lot of scalping. A lot of traders start kind of jumping on trades just for momentum. And I think that's a signal 
for the market to show kind of that volatility. So one of the things that we're kind of noticing right now is the IWM. For us, a lot of us trade small caps. Look at what the IWM is doing right now. It really can't find the footing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen and I just want to show you the IWM. How many times have we tested that 200-day moving average, which is this green line, and it's faked us out. So we look like we're going to close above it. We have a confirmation two days above, and then we roll over. We hit that level, that support, and then we try to do it again. So it's almost like trying more than once, trying more than twice, and it fails. So then what we do is we get remorse and we get fear. So typically traders will be like, oh man, I'm not going to add this here because we're going to retest it and we'll probably fail. So what we're seeing right now is high uncertainty. And whenever the markets see uncertainty, markets don't like that. If you look, January is really strong for um, the bio stocks, right? Look at the IBB. I just posted the IBB here. Uh-huh. Most IPB um, stocks are in the NASDAQ. And take a look. Every time we were trying to get above that eight-day moving average, which is the blue line, we get above it, and then we just roll over and we fail. Today, we put in a little bit of a reversal tail, but we still haven't confirmed above the eight-day moving average. So Can I, I tra- have a question. Yeah. Why are you using the eight instead of the nine? Well, I mean, typically, a lot of people, the way I learned, 8, the 21, 34, the 50 are all Fibonacci numbers. So for cool. my mentor, um, he always taught me to look at the 8 and the 21-day moving average. So I'm using cool. the exponential 8-day moving average because typically uh, on uh, regular, traders, traders in general will use a week, right, seven days, and then I'll give it a one-day just to give me that little bit of a buffer. And if I see that thing close above a week, that tends to show me confirmation. So why I use the eight-day moving average is just basically perspective. That's what I've learned, and it works well for me. Because when a stock tends to hold that eight-day moving average, it almost becomes a magnet. Like if you look at this chart, right, take a look. It'll trade close to the eight-day moving average but as soon as it gets really far away from the eight-day moving average, it'll pop and it'll, it'll kind of look for a confirmation. You understand me? So uh-huh. it, I use it as a magnet. Now, some people, yeah, they'll use the, the five-day or they'll use the seven-day. For me, the eight-day is something that I, I've kind of learned as perspective that's worked well for me. And remember, there is no right or wrong. If the seven-day works for you, use the seven-day. But the eight day is something that I've used and it's worked really, really well for me. So right now, if you look at the XBI, take a look. We're, we've traded and we're trading like really, really away from that eight day moving average. The eight day moving average is acting as a magnet. Um, if you look at the stochastic RSI, which I like to use when the markets can't really find a setting or they uh-huh. can't really find a footing. When I see this thing over like here in this kind of range this blue area i like to kind of see see this and say hey wait a minute we're really oversold here let me see if i'm going to position in somewhere at or near this range 
Because okay. you see this black line? Take a look at this black line. This is the MACD. It's diverging. Whenever I see this black line underneath this purple line, it basically, there's, it's not going to allow itself to get really far away from this. Uh-huh. And as it starts to curl up and you cross that purple line, it gives you what you call bullish divergence, meaning the, the chart is coming down on the way down, but over here it's diverging or it's showing you a reversal signal. Like take a look right here. If you look here, we were diverging, going down. And if you look, we separated, right? You see the black line and that purple line? We uh -huh. separated. And then over here on the stochastic RSI, it was like really getting oversold. And look, boom, you got really far away from the eight-day moving average. This gave me a reversal tail. And then we gapped up above it. So this is a nice trade here. If you look here, it kind of kissed 106 and then it rallied to 115. And that's a way to scalp. Um, I like using the stochastic RSI and the MACD when you're when the markets are really frothy and they can't find a floor. Um, some people don't like to buy here. They would rather buy on a confirmation. But for me, it's like you can only get really far away from the eight-day moving average before the market pops. Uh-huh. So what I'm going to tell you guys that something that like a trick that works for me, when I see that there's a lot of spacing here and I start seeing the histogram start coming up from negative to positive, I start saying, wait, wait a minute, it's time. When I see that the stochastic RSI is really oversold, I start saying to my, you know what, I'm going to nibble a position over here and then I'll nibble, nibble. And when you get above the eight-day moving average, I'll lock a little bit, but I'll hold what you call just-in-case shares. If the stock confirms above the eight-day moving average two days in a row, which it did here, I'll hold uh -huh. it. I'll hold it. But then if the stock closes below the eight-day moving average on two consecutive closes, I'll exit the position. And if you notice over here, you actually rolled over and you closed below it. And uh -huh. take a look how far you got away from it. So it's a little tricky, but at the same time, if you can find a way, a pattern that works for you, you can kind of time the market and you can kind of nibble and scale into that position. Um, it works for some markets. Does it work all the time? No, it doesn't. Nothing's guaranteed. But what you do want to do is you want to find a system that's going to give you the balance of probability. Maybe let's say 60% of the times it'll work for you and then you'll win more than what you lose. Hopefully you kind of understand that concept. Yes, yes. And I've done some RSI trading with my friend Stryker, who I mm -hmm. think listens to the podcast. So thank you, Stryker. So I do, I do understand what you're talking about. Um, I have a question though. On the mm -hmm. bottom, on the RSI chart, Right. What is the significance of when the purple line and the black line cross each other? Like, what would that signal oh, for you? Well, that's 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 signal, signaling me divergence. So I'm a bottom trader. So I like to find bottoms. So if I start seeing a trend, some people will be like, nah, I'm not touching this. Mm -hmm. so, so the thing for me is when I see this black line, right, and I see this this market roll over, I want to potentially find a potential bottom. So what I, I do is I look for this black line 
to be below the purple line. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to buy market tops. Some people like to buy in a breakout. And let me let me give you an example. So if some people will take this trade here. So what they'll do is they'll see this break here and then they'll buy here and on this break. Uh -huh. You see how the right here, it gets really, really far. I don't like buying when that black line is above the purple line. Some people do. Some people say, okay, I'm going to buy this here, right? And then the, mm -hmm. the market will rally. And then as soon as it starts to roll over, it's a signal. And then I'll just sell. And if you notice here, this black line is going into the purple line because now you're getting into overbought conditions and then yeah. you start rolling over. I like to do the opposite. I like to buy when the black line is below. And then it's giving me more of a balance of probability for upside move. Because to me, I mean, some people may disagree, but to me, this move to this move is much more of a gainer for me. You know what I mean? Like right now, this to me is a good upside potential because if I'm buying here and I use today's low at $95 as my floor, I have upside to 102 to 109. Uh-huh. You understand me? Yes. So, um, some people like really like to scalp. Oh, let me let me scalp it here because I see this cross and now I see the black line is above the purple line and we just broke this line break. I'll take this because it's a sure shot. So for some people, it's better risk reward trading this. But take a look. Can you imagine if we would have taken this trade and not locked? Look at the move all the way down. Right. You see that? Right. So to me, I, I find more upside on this move here. Like to me, this is more, this right here, this range is more rewarding than taking this key pivot break. Because it's less risky? Because mm -hmm. it's yeah. overbought? Right. Over okay. here, for me, it's overbought. When I see this black line over the purple line, that's giving me, hmm, it's a little overbought. If it fails, it's got a lot of room to go down. Uh -huh. So this is called the path to me, the path to least resistance. Because over here, I don't expect this to go down to zero, and I have a tight stop at ninety-five. Uh -huh. So if this thing closes below ninety-five on two consecutive closes, I just exit. Over here, just imagine if you don't lock, like if you're like, oh man, you know, three white soldiers here. I'm gonna buy here. And then you get a fake out breakout here on that 200-day moving average. Think about how many people are going to lose money here. Boom. Look at that move all the way down. And mm -hmm. that's because you're seeing this roll over here. Black line above purple line. I don't like that move. I'd rather have a black line below purple line. What, what um, about the strategy of buying when it's oversold and then just holding on until it's overbought is that that's that's not guaranteed especially in this market that... yes like a lot of people okay. you know some people do that you know and some people have the patience and the will to to hold and let me give you an example um it, right now there's a lot of people talking about psychedelics and this to me is a nice chart i'm not, not a nice chart a nice company this is a nice company. Oh my goodness! My, the, I 
Everybody on the podcast knows it's my most favorite stock. I'm very into the psychedelic movement and I have this in like all my long-term accounts. It is, it has not been the best long-term hold, but you right. really so struck a so nerve we just, here. So we, so we just synchronized. So this is intuition and this is synchronicity. <laughs> if this came out, then this is probably going to do a nice reversal here. So but think about it, right? If this thing was oversold, it continues to be oversold, 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 oversold. But take a look at the eight-day moving average. It's just in a in a very, very bad downtrend. But now what you're noticing is, again, look, black line underneath the purple line, right? Black line mm-hmm. underneath the purple line. Stochastic RSI is oversold, Right. So now the balance of probability, we're really getting far away from this eight-day moving average. And we put in what you call a reversal tail. So what you can do now is use the 107 as your floor. If the stock closes below 107, today's low, on two consecutive closes, you get out. But you can start looking to position in in this box, uh, in this box pattern. Let me, let me give it a box pattern for right here right mm-hmm. and what i'll just use is i'll use this 107 as my floor and it's kind of correlating we're really getting far away from that eight day moving average it's a risky trade but if i see two consecutive green closes and then we confirm above 123 right we have a balance of probability to retest this 144 Right, but you have to use that tight stop at 107 because if you break below that 107, think about it. It's like you going into a store and saying, Hey, man, I you're not going to believe I just got a deal on this. I got this product for um five dollars and it usually sells for two dollars and 69 cents. And oh, really? And then you go there, and now the, the product is at 75 cents. Do you think that they're going to be like, nah, I'll just wait. It's probably going to go down even more. It's the same thing. What we're basically seeing is emotions. Every time it gets below this level, people are like, oh, wow, it's a great buy. It's a great buy. Not anymore because it's really getting down below it. But today we saw a little bit of reversal tail. Now what we can do is we can go into a larger time frame. So let's go over to the weekly chart. So now what I'll do is I'll go over to the weekly chart. And I'll say to myself, let's see what the weekly is showing us. So I'm going to come over here on the weekly chart and now take a look. Look at our 200-day moving average at 97 cents. So now we're getting really close to that 97 cent level. And look at our RSI here. So now I can say, wait a minute. You know, over there it says $1.07. And over here, the 200-day moving average is at 97 cents. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a buy zone. A buy zone is like knowing that the market is pretty frothy right now. It's not the best conditions. But I'll say to myself, you know what? I won't pick up MNMD here because it has the potential to go down to 97 cents. So maybe I'll buy between 97 cents and $1.07. And I'll just be very, very patient. They're in this market. I see that the RSI is oversold like what you were saying okay Mm -hmm. you're buying a stock that's oversold you're buying a stock that the black line is underneath the purple line and we're really seeing a little bit of distance here man so if i buy at 97 cents to 107 
And the weekly chart is showing me the eight-day moving average at 157. That's not a bad move. If the markets start to recover and you say to yourself, if MNMD closes two weeks since we're using the weekly chart now, now our stop is going to be two weeks, two weeks below 97 cents on two consecutive weeks, then I exit the trade. So now I'm taking a little bit more risk, but I'm giving myself a little bit more leeway there to make a good trade. Because A, I understand that the market's sentiment is very weak, but at the same time, I don't mind buying this at 97 cents, Uh but you have to be very strict. And that's where people get hurt because they're like, you know what? MNMD is a good stock. It used to trade up here and they think that it's a guarantee. Nothing's guaranteed. Yes, this used to trade at $3.97 to $5.77, but it's not now. But if it does kiss $0.97, cents, boom, kisses it and never sees it again. You just bought at a perfect position. So now, let's say you trade 75% of your position and you lock profits and you just hold 25% of just in case and the market ends up rallying, bio stocks start to really go. And you're holding 25% that you just bought at 97 cents. And you hold on to it as long as it stays above that eight-day moving average on the Uh day. Right? And then it ends up like just turning over and just rallying, rallying. And it hits a high of $2.69. You're banking. Yeah. And and that's the long hold. And that's where the money is made. So. Yep. That's the system that you're saying. Why not buy it at the bottom and just hold it? You can, but just make sure that you have levels, that you have a floor. For me, that 200-day moving average is a floor. And I write in my trading journal, if the stock closes below 97 cents, two weeks in a row, I am out. Because then the balances of probability lean for that to go even lower. And using mm-hmm. Fibonacci retracement, right? Mathematics, the language of the universe, it can go down 50 to 61.8% from 97 cents. So that's a drastic move down to 45 cents. Yep. But the, you have to be strict. You have to have rules. And, and that's part of the universe, right? That's a universal law, right? Rules... Mm-hmm. Decisions lead to consequences. The decision to follow rules will lead to order. The decisions not to follow rules will lead to disorder. And again, I'm not saying that this is the, you know, a perfect setup because there's risk to this. But the beauty of it is that it's really oversold. Twenty six eighty seven. What's the balance of probability that this is going to go down to zero? Right. Think about that. Right. 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 Go down to zero. The problem with people is that they'll buy the stock. They'll buy somewhere around here. And not have a a plan. And then the stock breaks below the eight day moving average and then it it just tumbles down. So they were buying at a dollar eighty and now they're down 80 percent. And you cannot trade like that. And a lot of people trade like that. That's why you have to be very unemotional to this right? uh-huh. you can't be emotional 
at all with this. You have to be very systematic, very, very robust in this. Irrational exuberance. When it comes to killer wine at drastically low prices, 30 to 70% off retail and free shipping. We live for that here at Last Bottle Wines. Whether you went long or short on GameStop, you'll need a glass of something terrifically tasty. And we've got the goods. Last Bottle is a daily wine site based in Napa, California. One wine every day at Black Swan event prices. Usually 30 to 70% off. Until poof, it's gone. Whether you're a pound-the-table type, think ultra-crisp, quaffable Sauvignon Blanc, or a dividend aristocrat, Burgundy, or Napa Cab, there simply is no better place to buy wine on the web. And they always have free shipping. Last Bottle has a deal just for Penny Lane listeners. Use promo code PENNY, that's P-E-N-N-Y, to save 10% off your next order with Last Bottle. The code is good for one order and one order only, and it expires March 11, 2022. So head over to lastbottlewines.com today. That's lastbottlewines.com. Do you have another chart to show me? Yeah, I'll show you one. Fascinated. I'll show you one right now. So um, we're hearing a lot of things about metaverse, AR, um, VR. It doesn't have that much volume. But if you notice here, here, you're threading that eight-day moving average. I took this trade with my team here below the eight-day moving average. We saw two consecutive green closes, and then the stock rallied, and we thought that the markets were going to do well. And I told them, look, Buy between that 70 to 80 range or that 80 to 90, which is a probability level. Probability means mathematical probability, right? It's a Mm -hmm. a 20% risk to make, let me show you. If I come over here, let's take a look at what this thing has done seasonality. If you look here, December, January, it put in a low and then it rallied to four bucks. We're in the mm-hmm. same range. We're in the same range right now. So this thing has gone from 90 cents to four bucks in the past. So I told my guys, look, Metaverse is hot. They have contracts with the government. Let's see if we can kind of um, position in into, into this one. So if you look now, right, on the daily, it's actually threading that eight-day movement average, right? So now we've rallied. Since the markets got a little bit weaker, we came down below it, and now we're threading the eight-day moving average. So for me, what I would do now is I would use this level now. I would move my stop, not from this low, but I would move it here to 80 cents. As long as we stay above it, we hold, and then we have upside to $1.26. And that's a nice move from 80 to $1.26. The only issue is this right here. Mm-hmm. Is that we're not seeing that much volume, which is right now at 187 kind of thousand shares, right? That's not much. Right. That's not much. And for people that are going to um, want to trade, sometimes they want to see volume. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't care as long as it's giving me levels and mathematics, balances of probability. Because if you notice, this is actually a nice pattern. And this is what you call a bullish inside flag pattern. So if you see this, this is in the shape of a flag. You see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as it stays in here, I'm good. When it confirms above this 90 level, we're in business. Because now you have an upside to 126. Okay. Now, when you're rallying up here, what happens with a lot of people is that they don't have a PPM. 
And a PPM, what that means is a personal profit margin. We're in the business to make money, okay? We're like, honestly, when, when I'm training this, I'm not an investor here. Uh-huh. My objective is to make money, the laws of infinite return. So let's say I'm buying this and I, and I buy a five to $10,000 position. And I'm not saying that you have to take that position because everybody has different ranges. But if this thing goes up, from 85 to $1.26, that's more than a 35% move. The issue is that people are not locking profits on the way up. Because if you're locking up to that PPM and you hit that PPM, you're turning your five to $10,000 into a beautiful profit. And that's a profit that a bank is never going to give you. The problem is with so many people is that they're sending you tweets or they're sending you messages. Hey, man. What's your target? It shouldn't uh-huh. be. Everyone has to have their own perspective and their own personal profit margin because we're in the game of infinite return. You make this trade, you make another trade, you make another trade at 30, 30, 30%. Now you've, you're in 90% for quarter one. That's a lot of money. And then you're uh-huh. compounding into the next. The issue with many people is that they follow these big, names and then they see these drastic moves and then they think that this is going to be the next mana or they think it's going to be the next riot and most of the times it's not what i like to use is i like to use a strategy called just in case so if i add it here i'm locked up here but i'm holding 25 percent of my shares Now, if it pulls back to the eight-day moving average, I go into my trusty notebook, and then if I made, let's say, $5,000 profits, I'll take 20 to 30% of that, and I'll look to add more to my position as long as it stays at or near that eight-day moving average. So what does that guarantee? That you're not going to lose more money than you put in initially. The problem Uh is when a person buys and sells it up to this profit margin, when it goes down, they'll add exactly the same amount. And that's not good because mathematically speaking, what if this thing rolls over and breaks um, the wedge on the way down? Now you basically gave all your gains back and you're back at square one. So when I do this, I'm very methodical with this. I buy in a buy zone. I have my floor. And then what I do is I sell up to my PPM Depending on what the market is giving me, if the market is strong, I'll use and I'll leave just in case here, which would be 25 to 30% of my position. And then as long as it stays above the eight day moving average, I hold. I'll give you an example. If, let me come over here, put in this calendar channel here, so you can see this. So I'm going to put the calendar channels here. So take a look. Okay, let me give you an example. As long as this thing's trading in this in this these Bollinger bands and Keltner channels, and you're trading above the eight-day moving average, and we start seeing this start to trail up, and it stays above the eight-day moving average, those just in case shares I'll hold. Now, if it closes below the eight-day moving average, that's a different story. Then I position and I get out of the position. You understand me? Uh-huh. So, so that's the thing that hurts people. 
that when they get out and if the stock continues to to go up, like give you an example, like um, remember when CEI just rallied and it, it look how beautiful it stayed above the eight day moving average. You see that? Uh huh. Can you imagine if you would have held twenty five percent of your shares and you would have held just in case shares here, just mm-hmm. in case, just in case. And look, it got really far away from the eight day moving average. Here, I would have locked, and then uh-huh. when it pulls back, I would have added again here twenty five percent of my profits. And then, ooh, look how high it got. And the eight day moving average acts as a magnet. And look how far away you got from the eight day moving average. Yeah. And those that got got in here were like, yes, I got in a good price. But guess what? Ha- what happened? It closed below the eight day moving average on two consecutive closes. And look, yep. and then it just rolled over. And these people just gave away all their profits. Yep. You see why that eight-day moving average works so perfectly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I like using that. But this one was when the market was really, really doing well. Um, so and- have you mm-hmm. ever seen a January this bad? I like um, obviously I have not seen a ton of Januarys. I just have heard that it's a really bad January. Well, you know what it is. It's it's really not that. Um, like what we trade, like the IWM, like small caps, they're really getting beaten down. Because mm-hmm. if you notice, look, take a look. Every time we try to break that two hundred day moving average, we roll over. Now tech is doing pretty bad too. Because look at a, a stock like Palantir, which is a good company. They've been hammered take a look at hammered and if you look at the cues look at the volatility on the cues you're yeah. still in a beauty and you're still in a good uptrend on the cues it's not that we're we're not putting in um a nice uptrend you're actually right here at support um but the problem that's happening right now is that people don't have confidence in this market because of the outside noise. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I look at things, what I want to make sure is that we're not going to see a deflationary period, right? And right now we have a supply chain disruption, right? There's not enough workers out there. And what we're noticing now is that the transports are kind of weak right now because we're trading below the 21 day moving average and the eight day moving average. But we're still in a uptrend. Now, if we take down or we take out these October lows, and you could write that down, take down, t- write down this, because this is key. Because if we take out the October lows, right, on the transports, and there's three of them, and I didn't come up with this. This is a guy by the name of Robert Prechter. He talks about this. Um, you guys can Google him. He's pretty smart, this guy. He's a great chartist. But he says, if the transports, and this is called Dow theory, the INDU, which is the Dow, right? Uh-huh. If we take out the October lows on these three markets, watch out, right? Then you're in what you call a bear market. And we're not even anywhere close to that. So this is the Dow Industrial. So I look at the transports, the Dow, and then the S and P, the SPY. Right? Uh-huh. And now look at the October lows. Are we anywhere near this? No. 
No. So I don't foresee a crash like many people are saying. Okay. What I do see is I, I feel uncertainty. But the time that you have to worry is when everybody and their mother is in euphoria. And uh-huh. right now, is everybody in euphoria? Like everybody, the time to be afraid and be scared is when everything is really doing good. When everybody's talking about the stock market, when everybody's talking about Bitcoin, you buy during fear. You understand uh-huh. me? So yeah. right now, we're not, this is actually a buy opportunity for most things. So what I would do is I would look for good companies. Now, let's take a look at Square. Square is really nice somewhere around here because I expect the next 13 to 18 months to be bullish. Now, end of 2022, maybe I'm going to say 2023 to maybe a quarter one, quarter two of 2023. I think we may be in a wave five on uh, Elliott wave theory for the overall market where we could see a dramatic drop, um, 80% drop in the stock market. But I still think that we may see, and I, I know you people are going to tell no way. I think we may see a $100 Bitcoin. I think because if you look at this Bitcoin chart, this Bitcoin chart is still trading above the 21-day moving average on the monthly. So I, uh-huh. if we close above and we start trading above the weekly 21MA, we'll be back in business. So the 21MA right now is at 52,000. If we regain right the 21-day moving average on the weekly, which we have to do this soon or else, um, I think that Bitcoin, the stock markets will, will be like in euphoria. I think everybody be like, yes, the stock market. But when that happens, that's when you have to say, wait a minute, let me step back a little bit. And we're not there. So um, as far as the listeners that are listening on, we're in, we're hitting a bump in the road, but I just don't think that the markets just, you know, are just going to tank. And just roll over. Usually markets tank after a major, massive euphoria, euphoria move. And if um, let's look at something. I want you guys. Here's an um, emotional chart. Let me see if I can pick it up right now. Stop. There's a beautiful chart that actually shows this. And we're not, we're not there yet. So... Um, my my computer's acting a little bit slow. I'm gonna. I I just re, you know I'm looking for it right now. But there's a nice chart that actually shows you when something hits peak, and then when you start to kind of roll over. And when you see that happen, um, oh right here, take a look at this picture. And we're not here yet. So it seems to me just from the social sentiment I'm seeing in my Discord friends and my Twitter and all my trading friends that there is just like a slow weed out of all the COVID traders is what do you think about that idea of people just like slowly but surely like day traders like slowly but surely leaving the market because it's just getting it's just harder of course than it was last year 
the market has changed and a lot of these Robinhood traders are relying on on tweets. They're relying on um, they're relying a lot on just people. So what happens is they just jump on without looking at things. But I don't think it's that. I, I really think to me, I don't look at things through fundamentals. Um, we can make excuses and things, but the main thing right now is that we have very, a very, very uncertain as far as the Federal Reserve. Like when the Federal Reserve talks, the markets just go crazy. And what people tend to do is they panic. They're very emotional. So when we're looking at these charts, this is basically all emotions. What's happening with people are is there the unwillingness to buy things. When there's unwillingness to buy things, people tend to sell things faster, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. So um, I know that some people are saying these things on Discord, but what happens is that's just people talking with emotions. The markets still are are strong. You know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. what we're looking at we're looking at, at at a time frame where it's very very short term mindset we're not looking at, at a long term mindset so if you look here you see how when when markets are hitting high paradigms like new paradigms smart money usually loads during these stealth phases you uh-huh. understand me so why i tell you this is that the money is made during these bottom levels when stocks, you know, have like really, really low sentiment, when they're like hated, when nobody wants to touch them, that's the hard time to buy, but that's the best timing to buy. Remember uh-huh. March 20th, right, of 2020, mm-hmm. when COVID happened? Remember what happened to American Airlines? Remember how yes. people were like, oh, get out of stocks. <laughs> and people were talking on discourse, man, oh, the markets are going to crash. When I start hearing that, that kind of makes my, like, that brings the spidey sense on ding, ding. Like, that's the time where you want to start looking to buy. Like, right now, you're telling me that a lot of people are really feeling, like, kind of down. They're saying, hey, man, we got it. There's a lot of COVID traders out there. This is the time where you have to start looking. Where am I going to position in? Um, Because I'm seeing a lot of people are trading with emotions right now. So I think that right now there's what you call capitulation. So if we come over here, we're trying to find a bottom here. And Uh capitulation is starting to come despair. And that's what you're hearing. And that's usually when the markets start to bounce. You know what I mean? So um, things like that, when I hear like things, what you're telling me, that's showing me, hey, wait a minute. It's almost time. It's almost time to get into these small caps. So let's look. Let's look at the IWM right now because that's what we're talking about. We're um, small cap traders, and I know people will say, "Hey, man, but you know, IWM nobody really cares about. It's it's the backbone of the economy. Small um, small caps, right? If you look mm-hmm. here, let's let's type in um, the Fibonacci moving average, right? Eight twenty one thirty four. Let's go 50-day moving average. Let's do the 100-day moving average. Um, And let's just see where we're at right now. And we'll put in 
So 200 in moving average. Let's see where all these ribbons are at, right? Uh -huh. So let's take a look. We're trading below most of these ribbons, but if you look here, we actually have some decent size support. And why do we say this? Because if we connect each pivot low, right? If I connect each pivot low, this is a good support. Right, right. I'm not I making, see that. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not yeah. pulling this out of, out of my butt. My thing is really slow. But if you notice, it hasn't closed below this level here. Uh -huh. On, and this is a weekly chart, by the way. So I want you guys to know this. Every time we hit that level, you get a bounce. Okay, so for me, unless this thing breaks below that 210, two weeks in a row, then I'd be like, oh, man, the IWM just broke 210, two weeks in a row. I have to be cautious here. But if we get above that 223 level on two weeks in a row, we're back in business. And just think about those guys that have been adding those stocks, right? Yeah. Um, they're going to they're gonna reap the rewards. You understand me? Because right now, every time it hits that 210, you're getting a bounce. So think about you. You've been adding the, um, the, the mind med. Right. Can you imagine... When, once the XBI starts to bounce hard, like look at the XBI today, which is the bio stocks um, in the in the small caps. Mm -hmm. Look at this beautiful this beautiful green candle here. Can you imagine if you're buying, let's say, check right now, right, and you're buying within that range, and all of a sudden check from sixty four cents hits a high of a dollar twelve? That's a nice move. Uh huh. But you're taking on the risk right now because you're buying while your Discord buddies are saying, man, this this market is really, I don't know, you know, I'm scared, I'm fearful right now. So you have to have the strength to buy when others are fearful. You understand me? And that's mm -hmm. how the money is made. But with that said, make sure that you have a plan of attack. Make sure that if you are buying something, you're you're putting in, you know, a nice um, buy zone with floor support, right? Um, uh -huh. Let's take a look at um, BNGO right now. Um, BNGO has done traded in the past nine bucks, and right now it's trading at two dollars and fifty five cents. Stochastic RSI is oversold, right? And if we come back here, let's look at the weekly chart. Let's look at where that 200-day moving average. Wow. You see this? Like right now, you're really like, – this is a scary chart. Now, I, I don't want to look at this one, man, because right now, <laughs> we, you know, we don't even know if that's going to hit support. Um, let's look at the um, – one that's really, really famous. Let's look at the PLX. And these are bio stocks, by the way, right now. Look at the BLX. You're actually, the PLX, you're actually putting in a nice rounded bottom on the weekly chart right here. Uh-huh. You understand me? Can you imagine if we close two weeks above 91 and then we close and we start seeing this start to roll and then potentially cross the 21-day moving average? Look at your upside all the way to 350. Not a bad one, right? Right. Um, let's look at one that you like. Give me give me a stock, just any stock that you're um I really like Pola. It's one of my favorites. Hasn't been okay. very good recently. Okay, so um, that's P-O-L-A, right? yep. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so let's take a look. So POLA right now, we're closing in on that eight-day moving average. We had a day one, right? We had a day one green candle. Let's say we get two consecutive candles. Then what you'll do is you'll use this low, which is 319 as your floor. Now, if we confirm above 347 on two consecutive closes, now we're in business. Now, let's look at the weekly chart. Let's see where we're at on the weekly chart. All right. Now, this one's a little scary, too, because take a look at that 200-day moving average. We're trading below it. So, mm -hmm. like, finding that support is a little bit tough. Look now, how pretty the chart was on the way up, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. It's fantastic. Right, right. Right now, if you look at it, you're, you're closing in. You're somewhere close there, right? Mm -hmm. So um, every time it hits this level here, you have a little bit of a bounce, right? You closed above this. You bounced a little bit, but then came below it. But once you got over this, this became support. I, I wouldn't take this trade because I'm not seeing us tr um, um, above the the 200-day moving average. I want to find one that we're trading above. Let's look at this energy one. Oh, look, we're trading below it. So that's not good. Ooh, I have another one. Um, SDC is one of my favorites. SDC. All right. What I want to do is I want to find something. Okay, so look. Take a look. That was a beautiful close today, right? Smile direct. Mm -hmm. Smile direct. <laughs> there you go. We, we closed above that eight-day moving average, day one. Now what we want to see come Tuesday, right, because we have a three-day weekend, let's get a confirmation above 217. Now what we're going to do is we're going to come over here. We're going to check out the weekly chart. Wow, look at this. So the weekly chart is oversold, right? Uh -huh. and, and now what we could do is we can set up a box pattern here. This one I would look to maybe position it. Now what we don't want is we don't want two weeks close above this previous low, 208. If this thing closes below 208, two weeks in a row, I am out. But if we stay above 208, I'm going to be consolidating, consolidating, adding at this level. And look, our size at 29, 2022, right here, we're starting to see this start to curl up. Look at the spacing here, black line underneath purple line. And if we look here, look what happened in February, right? We put in mm -hmm. the bottom, and then we rally up to nine bucks. So mm -hmm. I like this one. I'm going to put this SDC on my list. Ooh. It's such a, like, when it's bullish, it just loves the EMAs. It's a very easy stock to trade. Right. Right. But you see how you're putting your parameters and you're setting your plan? You mm -hmm. write this down in your notes, and you say to yourself, even though I like the SDC, right? And mm -hmm. I'm all about smiling and, and I like the share <laughs> structure, right? But uh -huh. if this thing closes below 208, two consecutive weeks in a row, it leans the balance of probability to a, to a move lower. Yep. Um, that's how I look at things. Um, some people will be, nah, radio, um, I don't like that kind of system. And it's not for everybody. Um, I'm a bottom. I, I look for bottoms. Like I like to buy stocks. That are bottoms like uranium energy. I like this because every time it kisses this 200 day moving average, I gave this to my guys at three bucks and then it rallied to 425 and then we locked. And now, since then, it's closed below the aim, they moving average. But look, it retested the, the, the 200 day moving average and held, so now mm -hmm. it's a rinse and repeat for us. 
if I come on the weekly chart, look at this beautiful, you see this beautiful channel and uh -huh. we're above the 200 day moving average. So this is showing me, oh, this is a pretty good stock to add. I don't like this engulfing candle here, right? But if uh -huh. I were to add here, let's connect each pivot low, right? Each pivot low. That's going to give me about $2.75. If it closes below $2.75, I am out two weeks in a row. Because then it has the potential to go down to $1.66. But the cool thing is that it's trading above the 200-day moving average. And this chart is in a nice uptrend. You see that? Uh-huh. So what do we're doing that. is every time that it comes near this line, I'm adding. I'm adding. If it comes near this line... I'm adding. You see that? It, so is, how it is until it isn't. Remember that. Write that mantra down, you guys that are listening. It is what it is until it isn't. How okay, long are you it? usually in your plays? Um, It depends. I mean, if it hits my PPM and the markets are trading really, really well, I'll hold on to um, just-in-case shares. So, um, you know, it depends. Like if, if, if the markets were really doing well, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to hold on to shares because I know that this thing is in an uptrend. And look, this thing is in an uptrend. So as long as it stays above my floor, it's a hold. So I'm, I'm a buy, set, and forget type of guy. Towards the end of the day, I go on my account and I say, okay, let me check the, the, the market. And let me see if the stock is holding levels. Yep, it's holding levels. I'm not going to exit the trade. So it, as long as it stays above the um, eight, eight day or 200 or whatever my floor is, it's a hold for me. So that could be a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months, six months. Who were your mentors when you started? One of the mentors, and I think that a lot of people should kind of look him up. He has his his own um, his own website and his own company that he promotes. It's leadingtrader.com. Um, I'm giving him a shout out. His name is Alessio Rastani. Um, to me, he's one of the like the guys that I follow the best. He does have a YouTube channel out there. He has a premium um, kind of a newsletter. I like this guy the most. He's very unbiased. And one of the things that he looks at, he looks at um, upside and downside potential. So he'll give you two scenarios. And for every stock, every stock has a two, two scenario outcome. Uh -huh. um, what we And he always taught me there's probabilities. What we do is we trade probabilities, not certainties. So as much as people will say, hey, but radio, you're saying that it could do this or this. Yes, that's what markets are. As long as things do and stay above levels, then we're not giving it any type of confirmation bias. Because sometimes what people do is they look at a chart and they'll read it as a bias. No, uh -huh. once that stock breaks a level, that stock is void. And it's telling you that it's not going to do what you thought it would do. Uh -huh. um, so I like him a lot. Another one that um, I think that she's very, very smart, Linda Rashke. You can find her on Market Wizards. She has her own books. And she's not a mentor to me, but I read a lot on her. 
Um, she talks about the psychology of trading, um, mm-hmm. how people tend to not sell, you know, on the way up. And sometimes the hardest part is selling. And people tend to kind of, um, when there are no more buyers, the sellers come out and she tells you about that. So um, you have to understand that a lot of this deals with psychology and you have to understand that you have to be able to sell before the crowd. And that's the thing that I think hurts a lot of people where they don't know where to sell. Uh And that's Linda Rashke and you can find her in, uh, she's an author and a writer, and she also has a YouTube channel. There's a couple of people, and um, there's a, a gentleman by the name of Bob Wilcox. He used to trade the micro caps, which I know you guys are very fringe and you hate it. But right now, um, <laughs> OTCs, they're doing amazing. Um, that's where the money's flowing. I mean, look at this move. Oh, wow. We were buying this on this 8 into 20 when they move an average. It's a metaverse stock. And look at this move. We were adding this between 0.009 to a penny, and it hit a high of 36 cents. And um, Bob Wilcox taught me, you know, that awareness and, you know, following charts and following hot sectors can really make, you know, OTC trading really, really, really profitable. And we're seeing that right now. So, but there's a lot of great traders out there too. You have um, Yates investing. Zach Morris really brings in volume. Uh, CJ um, Burrow, I think that's his his his, his um, Twitter handle on um, on Twitter. There are a lot of good traders out there. Um, there's a lot of egos out there too. You can get so much information on social media now. Um, the thing about you is you have to kind of disseminate that information too. Don't just buy everything. Like at the end of the day, look at your favorite um, Twitters or tweets and kind of write them down and then check the check the chart, you know, and then see what's the best setup. And, yeah. and then kind of think about the position, say, okay, what's going to be my position? How am I going to position? And make sure you have rules. I came up with something called the rule of three. And what that basically is telling me, if I'm buying a stock, always have a buy zone. Number one rule create a buy zone at or near your floor. Number two, scale into that buy zone. And then number three, when you buy your stock, immediately set your sell order up to your personal profit margin. So when you're off to the gym or if you're going to work, you don't have to be in front of the computer. And then you'll get a beautiful order. Oh yes, it's sold. I locked some profit here. Uh-huh. And then it makes it a lot easier. And then you're having fun with it too because it feels good when you're stocked it's your personal profit margin. Do you have hard stops? No, no. Okay. I use I use mental stops. I don't use a lot of these algorithms like to flush people out and stop people. And I don't do that. I don't like to use stops, like automated stops, because these guys can see that. You know what I mean? That like uh-huh. right now, frequency traders, they really kind of wipe you out. And then the following day the stock runs and it's like, oh man. I should have closed the position on two consecutive closes. If it doesn't close below two consecutive days, then that's not confirmation for me. Cool. Well, um, I wanted to ask to sort of wrap up what your advice would be to a brand new person getting into trading. A brand new uh, person getting into trading is make sure that your, your outlook on taking on risk is 
I guess you could say, I want you guys to maintain a confidence and uh, a really, 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 really positive outlook. A lot of this has to deal with your way of thinking. So just understand that the only thing that's guaranteed in trading is risk. So write that down. Risk is 100% guaranteed. But the beauty of it is that you guys are starting off on the right step, right? Because uh-huh. per annum, per year, the U.S. dollar uses, loses 20% of its value. So what you guys have to understand, especially you young bucks, is that your biggest asset is your time. Time is something that you can never get back. And what we do here is supplemental. So this supplemental income will allow you to do things with your family. It'll allow you to do things, you know, take trips. Always have that positive mindset, right? Um, Do, you know, work on meditations, on really practicing how to stay calm. Because a lot of this has to deal with steadiness and being in a state of flow. and then. I can't reiterate this over and over. Create rules. The decisions to follow rules will lead to profits. The decisions to not follow rules will lead to losses. If you follow rules, you're trading as if you're brushing your teeth. It becomes very, very repetitive. Understand you will win and you will lose, but that's part of a universal law. Right, you can't have the light without the darkness. It, you have to have one, you know, and the other. You can't have one without the other. Everything works in tandem. So understand that you will win, you will lose, but what win more than what you lose. Um, and I think that a lot of you guys are going to succeed, but mindset is very, very powerful. When you wake up in the morning. The simplest thing by thinking of a mantra, six words, six words, right? You can say great things are coming, you know, great things will follow me, you know, think of something that immediately when you wake up in the morning, that's the mindset that you have heading into the day. Because if you wake up and you're groggy, you're waking up late, it's already going to put you in a state of kind of not have. You're going to be very, very emotional. You're going to be very nervous. Wake up early, do your meditations, um, throw on some headsets and listen to some positive affirmations. Try to stay away from the noise. I'll tell you this. I don't turn on CNBC or I don't turn on the news. Now, don't get me wrong. If I see some news that are that's really, really strong, where it's like a COVID variant um, is popping up or something, then it's going to tell me, okay, the markets are gapping down. I'm going to look to potentially scalp the S&P you know, for a move lower. Mm-hmm. But don't let that outside noise really become your driver. Because I think that that's what's happening and that's what hurts a lot of people. People get very, very fearful and they get very, very nervous on taking trades. Keep your stock to cash ratio low. 
right? Especially during this time, right? It's a very challenging market. Why would you be 90% stock in a very frothy market? No, maybe keep a, a stock to cash ratio at 40 to 60%, maybe 40% stock, 60% cash, or even lower, right? There is no right or wrong on this. But make sure that you have rules because rules help a lot. We need, as human beings, we need clarity. We need structure. We're humans. We need that. I've talked a lot on the podcast about I have a journal that I every morning before the market opens, I write like a page of the affirmations or whatever. And I... um for months and months was writing, I'm a profitable trader. That was my affirmation. Well, it wasn't working <laughs> and it wasn't um, it wasn't really helping. And then I took a little time off writing the affirmations. And then my friend, uh, Mikey, hi, Mikey, I know you're listening. And I have been doing this manifestation challenge together. Mm-hmm. And you have to go through all these different like rituals to get down to you know, your core beliefs in yourself and then what you need to like say to yourself to really affirm yourself and like get your beliefs right or whatever. So my new affirmation is that it's, I can do this on my own is the first one. And then after that, I write, I'm really proud of the way I'm trading. And it's been like such a game changer because I have just not been very confident in myself and have been really looking for outside people to back up my ideas or my trades. And it is just a recipe for disaster. Like, because I can, if someone is on the same side of a trade as me or whatever, I could go heavier because I'm like, well, they know more than me. Or, you know, if I'm like, oh, this is holding this support or whatever, and I feel really good being in this trade. And then I hear someone be like, oh, well, that's a bear flag. Or what, you know, then I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get out. And then Mm -hmm. it'll go. And I just can't, like, I can do it by myself. I can. I've been doing this a long time. I know how to trade. Yeah. You definitely can. So So, that's been really great. And then the one about being really proud of the way I'm trading is trying to just speak more positively to myself because it's so often that I will just trade in like silence and it'll be like, Blaine, you're an idiot. Or like, Blaine, you're just losing money. Or say all this mean stuff to myself. And I've been really trying to be like, if I tell myself I'm proud of the way I'm trading, then at the end of the day, I can be really proud of the way I traded because I like heard myself say that during the day. Anyway, I know that's a lot of like mental stuff, but I hadn't discussed it yet on the podcast. And I have found it, First of all, I feel like so much more calm and confident in my trading, but like I feel I don't feel all the anxiety I was feeling. And at the end of the day, I just feel a lot better about myself, which is going to help my trading. Like, of course, I'm not going to be great at trading if I'm thinking that I'm a piece of shit, right? So, right. That's one of the most important things. And I think that um, 
forgotten things about this. You have to understand that the universe doesn't know the stock market. It knows everything and anything. Everything works with energy. It's, everything is frequency. Everything works in a way, right? So what we have to understand is how do we channel that? The issue is that what we do is we're very short term. We don't understand that our mind is extremely powerful. Some people will say that that's kookiness, but it's not. The problem with us is that we learn the way our parents taught us. And I, I know we discussed this before. The Jesuits used to say, you give me your child from the ages of zero to seven, I'll give you a, a man. And what that means is during the ages of zero to seven, your brain operates in what they call theta. Theta is your subconscious mind. So what you're saying is correct, but the only way we can tap into, into theta is by REM sleep. So as you're falling asleep, for all you listeners, because I do this all the time religiously, and this is a game changer. Get a video, right? Get a video. Maybe you can YouTube um, medit, uh, medit, me, uh, like uh, meditation stocks or, you know, or affirmations, but do the same video as you're falling asleep. Throw the headsets on. You'll probably fall asleep to it and do it for 30 days straight. The moment you're waking up and you're groggy, throw the video again. Listen to it because now you're tapping into what you call your subconscious thought. And you're going to wake up and you're going to start seeing that you're not going to be anxious. You're not going to be nervous. This is called working in autotelic state of flow. So why I tell you this is because it is a game changer when you do this. Because when you get in front of doing anything, whether it's a sport, your confidence is going to be extremely high. For many people that don't understand this, read a book named Becoming Supernatural. It's a book um, written by Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's a, um, a studied kind of a PhD. Uh, he and, and another guy named Dr. Bruce Lipton, he's a microbiologist. These guys have a background in this. So um, I, I tell you this to me, I know people would say, hey man, that's, that's crazy, but it, it works. And on the next podcast, I'll tell you how I got into this because now we're talking about psilocybin and we're talking about dimethyltryptamine, DMT. This was a game changer for me, and I'll leave that for a part two. But it's a very, very important um, aspect. And, and what I call this is believing in something as much as you believe in breathing. And that's called being autotelic. That's why it's very, very important to have that belief. Because belief is the most powerful thing that you have. And it's something that we do not use. And that's one of the most important parts of my training. And I know some people will say, hey, radio, you're nuts. But I'll tell you, when I believe in it, something, and I believe in it as much as I believe in breathing, oh, man, I mean, you can move mountains. Um, so I definitely think that your listeners should pay attention to that because um, when you believe in something as much as you believe in breathing, you don't care what that next person says about that. 
And well, I'm really fired up is, for part and two I, now. <laughs> and all I have to say is Mana, or Mara, I'm sorry, M-A-R-A. That, that I bought at 42 cents. And I believe no. in that one as much as I believe in breathing. And that thing hit 80 bucks. Uh, so, Mara is a great stock. Yeah. So, um, and, and Mara was one of the greatest plays of all time. So, and also BNGO, we did that one at 36 cents and that thing hit five, six bucks. So when you believe in something as much as you believe in breathing, I guarantee you, you guys will move mountains. So I, hopefully, you know, their radio is nuts, but it's, it's <laughs> true. I love that. Well, we've got to get, we've got to get part two scheduled. And thank you so much for your time today. This was so, so helpful to me. I appreciate you walking me through it. And I know that um, everyone else will really enjoy it as well. Well, I appreciate for you uh, for having me. You know, I'm humbled. And anytime that you have anybody that's listening, you know, um, you can always message me on a DM. I don't know how quick I will um, get to you, but I try to answer all my DMs. So anybody having trouble, you know, just, you know, reach out to me because we're a collective conscious. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we are one. So if I help you, that help comes back around. So. Um, never fear to reach out or don't feel like, you know, I'm too good for anybody because we're all one. So I really thank you for your time. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. And we will, we will get you back on. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much to our producer, Joel Edwards and Chesley Lowe for the banjo music. I really like this. I really like this company. Look these up. This is a great company. 2018 Sleeper Cabernet from Vivino. That's a $60, $60 bottle. Line. I mean, you guys went heavy with the first bottle, the 130. Who knew? I knew it was the nicest looking label. Yeah, but I don't know if that matters. Can you can't judge it. a wine by its cover. I do every sure time. You can. Sure I don't, you can. It's the only way to do it. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that we should do that. Have you been getting the text from the app? They're very exciting. Yes. I like the app. So once a day, you'll go into the app and they'll have a new featured wine, basically. Mm -hmm. You can choose if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. I also really like the customer service of the the holdability of the wine or whatever. Yeah. It's amazing that you can just be like, okay, you can be my seller for a certain amount of time rather than have it shipped here. If you want to send more than one bottle, you're worried about the temperature, if it's going to send during the hot months. It's oaky, dark fruits, blackberry, cherry, raspberry. God, whatever fine palate I have, Kate, your husband. <laughs> basically, it's only a. I basically just said everything that was right here. So it says it right here on Vivino, balanced blend with long finish, solid last bottle deal at $35. That's $100 off. What? Yeah. Hot damn. <laughs> right. So last episode, we blew through the first sip and that was great. Mm-hmm. I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it, but let's, let's now have a second sip knowing how expensive it is. And you tell mm-hmm. me if that, if that helps with the flavor. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. The content you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's breathing a little bit. Also, okay. I am prepared to share that on last bottle I spent. $35 for this bottle of wine. That's that $100 is difference. quite the discount. Okay, well, give it a swirl, Justin. Give it, I mean, Justin's yeah, not even aerating thing. it. Mm. Yeah. It's mm. been aerated. I'm going to let Kate have some, but 
It's amazing. It's bold. It's long. It's got dark fruit, some cherry, some raspberry. It's a little oaky. It's pretty good. It is. It's delicious. And I'm not normally a big, bold red gal, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I would drink this over and over. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, like, drinks are approachable before. Like a good good table red, right? But this would be a great table red. Yeah, give me Uh. some spaghetti of red meat. I'm in. I mean, I have to tell you, I'm kind of salivating. You know, I love a big, bold red wine. It's my favorite. So watching you guys drink this, I wish you could just hand me the glass through the screen. $100 off retail price for an incredible bottle of wine. And it showed up to our door. Didn't didn't have to do anything. Last bottle of wine. Slow clap. Slow clap. Good wine. Good customer service. Good discount. I'm for it. How do I get my friends a discount, Blaine? Ooh, you can use code PENNY for 10% off one order, one bottle between now and March 11th, 2022. New year, new Blaine. I'm excited to get my friends on it because I'll buy some bottles when they come over. You know, they'll have some of mine. They have separate tastes when I go over there and we'll always be drinking good wine no matter what. So the days of Two Buck Chuck are behind us. Thanks, Last Bottle. Thanks, Last Bottle. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.